Live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. Grassroots or AstroTurf? Where are the new progressives really coming from? The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. Today, I'm on till 530, uh, followed by UGA basketball, but that's okay. We're going to get it all in. There is a lot to get in. We have a really fun and uh, informative show. We're going to get to conspiracy theories as uh, there was a congressional hearing with the Google CEO uh, and demands were made that he step up his efforts to suppress conspiracy theories. And that theme was followed up by Max Kellerman on ESPN giving Steph Curry, uh, reading him the riot act for saying he didn't believe in the moon landing. So this is going to be a deep dive down the rabbit hole today, but not, but I want to start out with something that caught my eye a little bit more down to earth. And, uh, I, I'm going to need Binkley, my trusty producer Binkley is here as always. How are you doing, Binkley? I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. Uh, I am going to need your help, which I know you are eager to give me. So I'm actually a little worried about keeping your mic on until I actually get the question out because <laughs> I know you're chomping at the bit. I got 19 texts at four in the morning. So clearly you've found an answer to my question. Uh, I So we we were off for a while, but before that... And all last year, we were really on the cutting edge of uh, doing research on Stacey Abrams, her real backstory, that she had a lot of stories that sounded good, but when you dug in, they didn't really hold water. Ultimately, Binkley found a smoking gun about the true nature of Stacey Abrams and her past and what she's after. Uh, Specifically, it was this whole actually more complex story than you've probably heard about her encouraging or burning the flag of the state of Georgia and actually in so doing setting back the effort to uh, to put in a new state flag, which I think was the right thing to do. So it's very cynical. It's very political. And we were on the cutting edge of exposing that. And in the process, we demonstrated how a lot of, uh, oftentimes, certainly uh, in some important cases such as Stacey Abrams, she got her start uh, or first significant leg up in high school at an important elite program. And since that time, she's had what she described as a blueprint or a plan or a life plan, and she's been following it every step of the way. And once she did make a Freudian slip, that makes me think that the plan is to be president. So she's on the back burner right now a little bit, but she's not going away. She she has been kind of groomed uh, by some very powerful people, and she's she's going to play an important role going forward in in perhaps the transformation of this country. But uh, I got a tweet not too long ago that made me wonder um, uh, if there was somebody just like Stacey Abrams on the horizon to the north. Sir Drinks a Lot of Scotch tweeted to me, is Ocasio-Cortez really as dumb as she sounds or is this an act? Is there an ulterior motive? 
I mean, is she the smart public defender playing stupid and then wins the case? Or is her head really filled with rocks and she was elected by idiots? Okay, so that's full of a kind of uh, invective, I think. I have to look up that word, but this sounds right, uh, that I would not use. But uh, I take his point. Ocasio-Cortez is the youngest congressperson ever elected. She's in uh, a Bronx, Queens district. Actually, my nephew lives in that uh, in that district. And uh, the way she made the scene and her her openly socialist views made me smell a rat anyway. It was very Bernie Sanders-esque, and she was actually tapped by Bernie Sanders' uh, crowd. Uh, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to steal Binkley's thunder since he's sent me all of this stuff. I'm going to just, uh, let's start with the question in the tweet. What's up with this chick? Is she, uh, what you see is what you get, or is there something underneath the surface? I would not underestimate her. She is fantastic, in my opinion, at doing her job, which is community organizing, which is something that she has been doing since she was at least in 10th grade. I, I, I just want to point out that People listening might think, oh, it's irrelevant. She's in New York. But it's just like Stacey Abrams and all. This stuff is about transforming the nation. I mean, Stacey Abrams said that. We need to transform Georgia to transform the nation. The the organization that tapped Ocasio-Cortez is called Brand New Congress. They're trying to uh, make a Congress that's way further to the left, younger, more malleable, et cetera. So I'm just saying it's relevant. Trust me. Uh, yes. Yeah, so she's so she's not an idiot. No, she's not, not at all. Box rocks. So what's her what's her story? Why does she come off that way? Because she's she? playing a role that a community organizer for the demographic that she's targeting needs to play. And she's being the person that she needs to be in order to get the to mobilize the most amount of people to get behind her. I uh, one of the things I came upon uh, in the b- brief kind of. Um, survey that I took of her background was that she was a bartender. And I thought, well, maybe that's why maybe I was a bartender or I was a waitress and I also worked behind the bar. And you have a lot of, you really talk to people, but they're drunk half the time. So you got to be able to kind of dumb it down and not be judgmental. If you want to be entertaining and exchange ideas, it's a good way to hone that skill of kind of what Rush, I think, calls the drive-by listener or whatever. So, like, she she could have used that job to hone her skills. Oh, but yeah. then, But then as I looked into it, I'm not even sure that was really her job. I almost feel like that job was there so that she could sort of say, well, she was a bartender and now she's a congresswoman. Wow. But Yeah. She so. graduated cum laude from Boston uh, University, and she was fourth in her class. She had an international... Uh, studies and economics degree, I believe. International relations and a minor in in economics, and she worked for Ted Kennedy while she was in college. Which is not going to be an easy job to get. I mean, that would be the the grand prize. That would be like, you are the chosen one. We are not going to squander this on a resume for someone. See, because the bartender stuff, I read it said, she came back after college, uh, and started working as a cocktail waitress and a bartender uh, after her father died in 2008, which was 10 years ago. She's only 29. So that would have had to have been 19, which is a little, I mean, to be a cocktail waitress at 19, I'm not even sure that's legal uh, at some places because you can't drink. They don't want you starting. Um, so I tried to investigate what, uh, 
I tried to investigate that her um, bona fides when it came to bartending. See, because I like to make craft cocktails, and I was a waitress and a bartender. Like, that's my thing. So it's like, oh, well, how bad could she be? And the Bronx. You have that in common and as the well. Bro- I'm from Brooklyn. Well, I know, that's but still, New York. That's not the same thing at <laughs> all. Uh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What's wrong with you? It's like sinking Georgia Tech and UGA. Oh, my thing. gosh. Like, it's no... Anyway, so, um, but she, but you pointed out she's not really from the Bronx. She's from Yorktown Heights. Yeah, and she grew I'm up in the really Bronx. From Brooklyn. She... <laughs> I'm from Rockland County. Right. She was five when she left the Bronx and she went to Yorktown. Yeah, so I'm from Rockland County, which is the blue collar suburb on the other side of the river. Westchester is the nice place to live when you move on up. And that's where she lived. That's where yeah. she lived. So I know you're the one who told me she lived there, but I, I'm from there. So, uh, so what, so the bartender thing, so I tried to Wikipedia and other sources say that she worked, um, to help her struggling family and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and one of the articles said that she worked and they wrote where she worked, fixed flats or something like that, a craft cocktail bar, which is kind of a new phenomenon. It's probably not too many. I don't think there were any craft cocktail bars 10 years ago, but, uh, but the, all the sources on Wikipedia for this narrative that she came home from college to work in a bar and all that kind of stuff are all sourced back to a Huffington Post article that doesn't that there is no source for it. There's no, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no information that tells you that she went that was ten years ago or anything. It's just a picture of her working at this place that is clearly new, newer last year, which doesn't even make sense because she was already on her way. She'd already organized for Bernie Sanders. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, working as a bartender, you got some good cash coming in. So I would do it. I would do it now. That's also (laughs) a good way to campaign if you're working at a prominent bar in the area that you want to run for office in. Yes, and of course, what it really does is make you a bartender. It makes you (laughs) of the people. Yeah, which is what people, which is exactly what she's going for. Yeah. And uh, she knows and, what she's doing. She was in highly selective community organizing programs in high school that are just as selective as that Tellerude program, almost Tell as ride, that yeah. uh, Telluride that Stacey Abrams was in. Well, that's the thing. It says, like, oh, she went back to the Bronx right after college. It's like, well, she hadn't lived in the Bronx since <laughs> before kindergarten. <laughs> yeah. But if that's the, the, the image you want to present, then, so in some of the other stuff I read, See, I knew I was going to steal all your thunder. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I, I, we'll wait because uh, I want to read some passages from her that actually expose some tactics that that is are being used by, I mean, I hate to always like be the left, the left. I, the right has their tactics too. The left-right dialectic is is a distraction from like major policy issues that we are completely insulated from and people like this who seem to be dumb as a box of rocks and aren't they're avoiding they're keeping you they could actually reach you with with the more complex policy arguments but they don't they're there to to incite division so that we don't think about the deeper policy issues but but some of her tactics are very revealing and dovetail with a couple of things that you've sent me recently uh one um is from uh, intel activities from long ago and one is from indivisible and the kind of 
uh, resistance in the here and now. So I want you to to help us connect the dots between what these people are doing and the theories that are written in black and white that give them their marching order. So we have a big show. That's before we even get to all the fun conspiracy stuff later. So uh, be right back. This is Monica Perez and uh, and Brad Binkley, 404-872. I mean, I know your name, but <laughs> we're having trouble with the call, so I don't want to say the number. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can try to call. Hopefully I can, uh, I can pick it up. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. No. Never give up. Never surrender. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Thank you, Rachel. By the hammer of Lothar, (laughs) I will avenge you. No, I appreciate that, Rachel. A fellow sci-fi fan. Thank you very much. Uh, I... What, we're we're getting into this Ocasio-Cortez thing. I really just wanted to answer uh, Sir Drinks a Lot of Scotch's question, but it just you know, just peering down that rabbit hole of her past, you just fall right in. So, and it's so much like Abrams, just like her, just like her. So, so with Abrams, her start was in this Telluride program, and I'd long suspected everyone from James Comey to George Soros were tapped as teenagers. And, and that's important for, uh, that can really, uh, you can shape the person. You basically own the person. They don't have our networks. Uh, it's, it's quite interesting to me how young they can get these people, not just from like CIA parents, but also, I, I mean, I almost wonder sometimes if these big movements uh, where she got her start, for example, was in that water rights, the Native American water rights protests. It's almost like they have these things where, like the Parkland, the young people of Parkland coming out against guns. It's almost like they see what leaders can rise to the top and, and take the mantle. But her start was even before that. She was in one of these elite programs in high school, the uh, Ocasio-Cortez. What was her program? We got one minute, Binkley. Tell me her program and then... Um, she was in multiple programs. One of them was called the LDZ, the National Hispanic Institute's Legislative Session, where it is an opportunity for young people to learn how to navigate, manage, and create large organizations by taking charge of their own youth government and proposing future community policies and projects. And the other one is the J.F. Lopez program, where high-achieving students have the opportunity to mobilize communities and operate at executive levels. All right. Save those passages. Because in the stuff you sent me, and you weren't even connecting these dots, but in the email you sent me, we want to start a new segment called Intel Archive about the tactics of the intelligence community going back to the early or mid-20th century. This stuff comes right out of their playbook. So I want you to read some passages connecting the dots after the break. This is Monica Perez. Live and festive in the public's holiday headquarters studio at WSB. Monica Perez. It's all real. Oh my God, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. That is the uh, perfect clip for if we get to the conspiracy theories. I think we will. We've got a lot of time. We're on till 530. But this Ocasio-Cortez thing is taking, really taking us further uh, than I thought because what she's doing is part of a bigger plan and we're seeing examples of it all over the place. 
and there's just so much to it that's worth listening to, uh, understanding. So I'm going to read a quote from her, and there's two things in there that are worth understanding. And then um, we're going to go to Binkley's research to see exactly how this stuff, uh, the things that she's doing are tried and true tactics. Uh, let's let's just dig in. So Ocasio-Cortez is the youngest congresswoman ever seated or, uh, or congressman. Uh, she's 29. She's in a district 14, I think, in New York. It's like the Bronx and Queens. And she's got a story of being like Jenny from the block, but she moved out of the Bronx when she was five and grew up in Yorktown Heights, which is an almost entirely white suburb in West, Westchester County. Now, I'm from Rockland County, which is like up a county. So we're like the poor blue collar Westchester's fancy, generally speaking. Uh, so, but she's got this legacy. She was a bartender, which I, I think actually might have been, uh, in the service of creating the legacy that she actually became a bartender to legitimize her blue collar implications. But before that she was an intern in Ted Kennedy's. So, uh, she, when she, uh, so that, so I believe this is pretty well crafted and that's who she is. And this is what she said. This is one of the things I want to tell you that um, gives us insights what she's doing. She said, I knew that if we were going to win the way that progressives win on an unapologetic message is by expanding the electorate. That's the only way we can win strategically. It's not by rushing to the center. It's not by trying to win, uh, spending all of our energy winning over those who have other opinions. It's by, uh, it's by expanding the electorate. Now, I'm going to just pause. There's one more line. But when she says that, this explains what I've said before about immigration. I'm a libertarian. I believe in the right to work and travel. I don't even, I, I, I even enjoy multiculturalism as much as like conservatives puke on the term. I like, I like a variety of people. I have found that people from more traditional cultures often share my values better than the materialism that we see today. But I, that doesn't blind me to the fact that the immigration is a political tactic, not only to polarize voters, but uh, like um, Kelly Green, no, I forget, I'm not sure if I got her name right, wrote a book, Weapons of Mass Migration. They, there are purposes to immigration policy that the politicians are using for themselves. And, and expanding the electorate is a very good explanation for why, and I think everybody's heard this before anyway, it's not news, but why the left is pro-immigration, even though they claim, as she claims, to be for the worker. She have a passage from her saying she would never take money from a corporation. She would never sell out. But uh, it's commonly accepted by the left, or it used to be anyway, that it's the corporations, it's the capitalist pigs who want cheap labor crossing the border. That immigration policy is a way to undermine the labor, uh, the labor unions, the wages, all that kind of stuff. So the reason the left, in my opinion, and I think she's hinting at it here, the reason the left is uh, wants unfettered immigration is to expand the electorate to people who can be tapped into without the very strong um, cradle to grave understanding of what makes America. Uh, a, a unique um, 
opportunity, but the American experiment as uh, as economic and personal liberty resulting in greater prosperity for everybody. People from other countries just don't understand that They a lot of times. They think that because they have corrupt systems, they think it's a struggle between haves and have-nots and, and, and that it's inherently a violent struggle because there is no justice. So that's a little bit of a tangent, but I, I believe when they say expanding the lecture, that's what they're saying. But here's, here's the kicker that uh, brings Binkley in. Um, my producer Binkley's got a lot of research under his belt on this. Okay, so she says, uh, we're going to win by expanding the electorate. Speaking to those that feel disenchanted, dejected, cynical about our politics and letting them know that we're fighting for them. So disenchanted, dejected, cynical about our politics. So she's deliberately uh, tapping into people who have gripes who have fears i mean that's she's saying we expand the electorate and we find unhappy people and we tell them that we're going to help them and that in itself is rather cynical binkley can you uh can you i i thought that spoke to something you proposed for uh an insight into the intel archive from what what is this what am i looking at here this is the 1943 OSS Morale Field Manual. And OSS was the precursor to the CIA. The Office of Strategic Services. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So this, so 1943. All right. So what that, so how long ago is that? 70, 80, 90, I don't know. Something like that. Long I don't time know, ago. 50, 70, seven years ago, 70 something. All right, Gad. So what does it say? The general principles of morale operation. Okay, so you have a whole bunch of these things. And this is just one little passage that I thought spoke directly to her. It does. Morale operations focused on principal leaders and special groups who exert or are capable of of exerting real influence on and control over large masses of people. Okay, so this, to me, is why identity is so much more valuable than values or policy arguments, because if you want to appeal to somebody's values or uh, want to explain to promote a policy, you really have to take a lot of time. You might not be successful, but if they can convert uh, politics, political positions into uh, identity, you can just appeal directly to a person of it doesn't take a lot of argument. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I think a lot of these people come from large minorities you know, ethnic groups, because they say, de facto, I'm on your side. Just look at me. I mean, I think Stacey Abrams actually said that. Yeah. Just look at me. You know I'm on your side. It's like, mm. That was part <laughs> of her campaign message. Not sure basically. that was how people were yeah. feeling when she was leading the uh, protests after Rodney King. Yeah. But, okay, keep going. It goes on to say that these leaders are key enemy military, naval personnel, administrators, civil leaders, quislings, diplomats, Potential leaders of the resistance. Okay, hold on. So the enemy military. So this is about attacking an enemy. Yes. I I propose that it doesn't take much of a leap to say, and they've done it in other ways, such as propaganda, they turn it towards the domestic population. Right. Because they feel like the people can be the enemy of the state, which they're there to support. And I think if we can get to those Kellerman clips later, or even what we talked about last week with Tim Cook, or um, what the Google guy said in Congress, they make it clear that they're trying to protect the state from the people. Yeah. Okay. And it shows that they're training people to do this. They're not going to use these skills that are helping them get what they want only with one group of people. 
Oh, yeah. And that it's totally without ideology. It's irrelevant what the person's ideology is. They're just using them to subvert whatever power they're trying to undermine. Okay, keep going. The groups that continues to list the groups, it says partisan groups, special, political, religious, labor. And then it says any affected, any disaffected group in the population whose grievances and vulnerabilities can be exploited. Yeah, and that's what she's saying. She's Mm -hmm. not even saying what it is that their problem is. She's saying they're disenchanted, dejected, and cynical about our politics. Yeah, this is what they're training agents to do in 1943. And when you read before the break the description of the two high school, was it high school programs she was in? Yeah. Yeah, that they actually were training people to mobilize masses of people on the community level. This, I feel, is... I mean, I feel all of this stuff is betokens a deliberateness in her approach that the bartender legacy and some other quote you sent me of her saying, oh, I'm gosh, I woke up one day and they were like, you're on the ballot. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, what? You got to read. Do you have that quote handy? Let me see. You, know, I, you emailed it to me. It was just so crazy. Uh, I don't see it right now, but she said that she found out that she said she found out that she had gotten nominated to run for office after she had gone on tour recording people at that uh, Standing Rock and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That she came home and like just couldn't believe that she was famous. What a surprise. Yeah. (laughs) You got to find that quote, though, because it sounds like I'm exaggerating, but I don't think I am. So, okay, So is that the end? No, there's a little bit more. Right. The second one gives the objective. Okay. Of the morale operations. Mm-hmm. And it says the object is therefore to concentrate op- operations on those critical persons and groups whose subversion or co- cooperation will produce the most telling effects on large masses. Thus, all morale operations must be carefully tailored for the particular persons or groups that are its special targets. Now, you have pointed that out to me, or I have noticed it. I press you on it all the time when you bring to me stuff from Antifa. And Black Lives Matter, I don't know if we've done that too much, but Antifa and some of these organizations, what was the uh, the women's thing, the women's march, all this stuff, that it's very specific to the target audience. I've noticed it on the other end of the spectrum. So I'll look at the Atlantic or Council on Foreign Relations uh, Foreign Affairs Quarterly, and I will see a an elevated level of propaganda, which gives a lot of limited hangout information, like to appeal to the vanity of uh, of the of the people who went to Ivy League schools and everything. You really have to make a very compelling argument for your policy. They can handle the complexities of the policy. They want that. They'll still go with the side they think they are, which is Democrats, but they're learning how to defend themselves in an intelligent community. So it's very, I've noticed the layers of propaganda that are directed to specific groups, which is why people don't believe it. I'm like, yeah, it's in writing. It's there. They tell you what to do. The stuff you got from Indivisible. I want you to tell us more about that. It's their blueprints for community organizers in the here and now. I'll tell my husband about it and he'll be like, it doesn't say, I'm like, it says that. It tells them exactly what to do down to, yeah blasting it on Fox News like because that's not the way it works that's not what it works the dialectic is embraced by both sides they're not telling their tactics unless you need to know I found the quote go Cortez said that when I got back from touring uh, Standing Rock 
brand new Congress gave me a call and told me that I was nominated to run for office. That's basically how this whole thing because kicked off. She doesn't have a cell phone. Yeah, she so was, her phone yeah. was ringing when she walks into her apartment. She's just, a nomad. Yeah, yeah. The just the the black rotary phone just. Like, zing, 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 zing. It was yeah. a let, letter was delivered to her. Yes, yes. Oh, telegraph. That's the end of the quote. Oh wow, that's it. She was just like, wow. So I mean, it's just ridiculous. I was she was out of town, and when she came back into town, you know, there is no out of town anymore. Yeah. So, uh, yes, it's <laughs> hard to buy the story, but I don't mean to be to take it lightly. I just I think it's funny because I I think these people are manipulative. And any time I find a funny little mm, something that doesn't sound right and you try to, like, dig into where it first came up and you hit your footnote, hit your footnote, find the article it always, every time with this chick anyway, it's, I haven't really been satisfied with the veracity. Every time you yes. look one of, one of these people up, yes, they have a similar background. It's unbelievable. The big tech guys too. It's almost always leads to some kind of military intelligence of their parents or yeah. whatever. It's like, DARPA. like 80% of the time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is Monica Perez. We're going to get a little bit of that indivisible stuff after the break. Monica Perez. Everything you do is being watched by some all-seeing eye. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We are back. I, I wanted to just interject a little um, kind of basics on limited governments, on the Constitution. When Binkley and I were talking about this Ocasio Cortez's strategy and and that so the tweet from Sir Drinks a Lot of Scotch said, is she dumb or is she playing us basically? And the answer is, I, I think that we've come up with that she's for sure playing a role with a goal. The goal is to mobilize people, and uh, but the question of like, is she really that intelligent? Binkley said, well, she's not explaining complex policy to anybody. Now, she might be. We don't know. She's not actually doing it out there in the world. But my my point is that nobody is. Nobody is on the left or the right. I mean, the, the, the welfare warfare superstate has become the protectorate of both the left and the right. And what we have at the same time is this increasing polarization, it's this focus on personalities, identity, the personalities, the Trump whole thing, Manafort, Comey, Cohen, Flynn. It's all personalities and, uh, and, and identity, you know, on the left. It's all identity. These are not policy issues. Why? Because limited government, our experiment in, in self-governance, I'm a libertarian. I think it's all about liberty. But liberty might just be the byproduct because self-government isn't possible if things are complicated, if the government has a lot of power. Then you just have to relinquish your power to the technocrats. And that's what we have here. And what these people are all doing, I think from Trump to Ocasio-Cortez, is distracting us from the reality that the policy is too complex. We know we have lost our grip on, on self-governance. And, and a perfect example of that is the national debt, which is taxation without representation. I mean, that's where we are. We can go deep if you want. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Live and festive in the public's Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. This is your last chance. 
After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6, 5.30 today, but normally 3 to 6. Uh, there's UGA basketball after the show, but we are, of course, going a mile a minute, so uh, there's we're definitely going to get plenty in in our time. We've been talking for... Uh, the last hour about a unlikely person um, under normal circumstances, a congresswoman from a uh, uh, district in New York City, but you've probably heard of her, Ocasio-Cortez, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She is the youngest person in Congress, younger, youngest person ever in Congress. She's 29, and she... Her story sounds very aw shucks, Jenny from the block, but she's from Yorktown Heights. She interned for Ted Kennedy. She went, she had internships that taught her about how to uh, mobilize mass, masses, large masses of people. And what she's doing came right out of a playbook that Binkley had actually, my producer here, Binkley, had actually been already showing me. Uh, and we're thinking of kind of uh, bringing bits and pieces of this from uh, to every show or every other show under a segment name called the Intel Archive. So Binkley went back to the CIA handbook. They don't they don't give you the modern ones, but you can you can get the old ones from the 40s talking about tactics that we that I can see being used against our own people by the parties, but that also are. Uh, supposedly, I mean, these tactics are are basically the ham-handed stuff that the Russians are using that people like James Clapper or whatever, uh, John Brennan come out and like, oh my gosh, these people must be stopped. We need to double down. We need to, we, we need to really mess with them now. They're pulling out the big guns, subversion and rumors and all this kind of stuff. So this, they, clearly, I feel like this is a show that we're being... We're being told there's this great like Cold War II going on, uh, and you know maybe there is I don't really know, but you can see the tactics that are being used in the in in domestically by the parties just by reading that intel stuff, seeing what people like Ocasio Cortez are up to, but also I think I think we've talked about this on the show before. Maybe in the podcast, we do a podcast called Propaganda Report, maybe in more depth, but but there's an organization called Indivisible that it's it's not, I mean, Binkley, who, who's the target, do you feel like, for the Indivisible stuff? For specifically, the, the Indivisible, is it a handbook that you got? The Indivisible Guide? Who's the target audience? Yeah, like, are you reading it? Is it, is it? Is it for the rank and file, or is it just for the organizers, or what? Who do you think is the target audience for the Indivisible Guide? I think the target audience is people who eventually will train to become community organizers. All right. So Ocasio Cortez said that brand new Congress, a Bernie Sanders um, era, 
uh, sprout, something that supposedly just came up, is similarly indivisible, kind of sprouted up to battle Trump and their resistance. And what they're doing is training people how to what? Engage in the resistance or what? What, What's They're training people how to as they put it, to resist Trump's racist agenda. That's like the whole premise of the of the guide. And they're training people to organize around using these fear, these extreme fear appeals. So it's all, again, all about identity. It's not about policy. No, yeah. They're mobilizing people based on fear and hatred. Absolutely. Right? And what, so one thing I thought, or the mo- the really interesting thing I thought about this handbook is it's, it's signaling what they're going to do. So it, yeah, it tells Trump you. Has, yeah, so Trump has two years left, and what what do you think it's going to look like based on what they're saying they're going to do? Basically? Well, they say that they're going to do endless amounts of investigations and congressional hearings since they won back the House, and they, I mean, they don't hide it. They say that that's what they're going to do. Oh, read read us some passages. Here's a passage so right here. Yeah, we can this way we can go back to it. It's going to happen, right? What you're saying is ha- is going to happen. Yeah. We've done this before. So I next year, so th- at the end of this year, like I do every year, I'll do a show of the year in review and a show the year ahead. So next year, when we go back, we're going to look at the year behind us and we're going to see stuff that you're about to tell us we're going to see. That's right. So we'll have to include this also in the year ahead show, but go ahead. It says, Republicans weaponized their investigatory authority to look into frivolous or exaggerated scandals for their own political objectives. In contrast, Democrats have a wealth of real scandals that need to be investigated. Here are just a few examples of investigations that Democrats should pursue. A list. Yes. You want to hear the list? Yeah. The response to and aftermath of Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico. Personal conflicts of interest between cabinet secretaries and the industries their departments allegedly oversee. Hold on. Isn't that like how politics works? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like that's what everybody that that's like the kind of stuff that the Clintons were really knee deep or, or what are accused of. I mean, that's the kind right. of right. But as they said, when the Republicans did it, it was just frivolous. you know, it wasn't real when they it's do frivolous it. and vindictive. Whereas <laughs> these people, it's not frivolous. It's very even, moral when they do it. Yeah, right. But the funny thing is they will openly admit they actually do not want resolution. Yeah, they, they just want, want to rile people up purely for vindictiveness or for political cynicism. It has nothing to do with merit. Right. The next one is they're going to investigate the immigration agencies and the family separation policy. Haven't heard Which about that. Which was Obama's, right? <laughs> yeah. Was it Obama's policy, if I'm not mistaken? It's been, I think, a similar policy across administrations. Right. They've all done more... similar. I'm still, I'm still waiting for someone to convince me that the separations aren't like child services type stuff there was a story yesterday about a girl who died in the immigration center I saw it, yeah she I was sick and hadn't had water for days it wasn't yeah, she probably came over and that's probably why they took her away they probably put her in the infirmary yeah so it's not like she got sick and when she got there a lot of these people are mules it reminds me of when i don't know if it's still this way but disney we only could go to disney world or disney world i guess it was in florida uh because my son my son has Down syndrome. He cannot wait on those lines. He's not waiting an hour on line. He's just not going to do it. He would run away and then have to run after. So they give you, for a handicapped kid like that, they'll give you a fast pass, which is even more than, like, the fast pass you can pay for. They just let you go 
the head of the line, yeah. which is awesome. And I don't exp- I don't abuse it. You have to do it with him, uh, or he cannot play. And he loves roller coasters. Well, they did away with that because people were renting Down's. Ki- they were renting out Down's kids to take with them to cut the lines. What? That's what the story was. I personally suspect there's a chance that Disney World just wanted to stop that policy, so they claimed that it was being abused. That is, oh wow! But it wasn't. I, I don't. It wasn't being abused. Oh, I don't know if it was or not. So yeah. Anyway, that's what I think. That this is what that reminds me. I mean, me. you got that's pretty bad. If somebody's doing that. Yes. Yes. So so what they do over the border is. I believe, like, for mules or drugs or whatever, they'll bring a little kid with them. You know, yeah. sometimes they just use kids as the mules. Oh, yeah, But yeah. I think they'll bring a kid to make it look like, oh, we're family crossing. Yeah. When they're not. It's just they kidnap the kid or the kid is their kid, but they're still dry. I don't know, but I'm just saying there's totally... I don't believe it's that as kooky as it sounds, but I don't know. You know, I don't know because I don't... The The news on either side is going to present the story that promotes whatever policy they want. So, yeah, all they want to do is get people fighting with each other. That's all, they, that's all the news And these guys do. at least admit it. Indivisible, which is just divide and conquer, uh-huh. is that, and that's what it's really all about. It's about dividing the populace to conquer them, whether it's for extreme left communism or extreme right fascism. It's all the same. It's just rich people at the top or yeah. powerful people or whatever, people who want to get more economic reward uh, then they deserve from adding value by using the political means. It's that classic struggle, economic means versus political means. And whether there is a, r- a left and a right at the top, it doesn't matter. They're just talking about dividing us so they can exploit uh, the system. But, you know, that's, right. that's not new. Right. That's, I think then they talk about in this thing, they say that, the you know, they're going to do these investigations because it means that the Republicans will have fewer resources to cause harm to our communities, schools and environment because they have to dedicate resources to fighting the investigations. That's crazy. But I wanted to say, I mean, they're deliberately wasting government resources. They say they care about impoverished people like Ocasio-Cortez said she was like on a soapbox about um People using their economic power to gain political power. Yeah. And I actually think it's the opposite. It's that nobody's giving up. You, you know, you, you, you can spend the money, your economic power to buy politicians or whatever, but it's only so that the government then works for you to get more economic power, which is why big government is always inherently ripe for corruption, whereas small government is has less ability to exploit because you can't you can't dole out the money that's why i don't believe and and i hate to always say far left because the right does it too i mean fascism is the the capitalist in league with the with the politician so i mean it's all the same and it's not in our favor yeah they're also going to investigate Trump's taxes, and they're going to investigate the deliberate sabotage of the Affordable uh, the Affordable Care Act by the Trump administration. Oh, that uh, a Texas judge just took that to eleven <laughs> today, actually. Took it to so, eleven. Well, he I, I think he ruled it just a blanket unconstitutional. Oh, federal really? judge in Texas, I believe. I didn't do my homework, so we'll see how that shakes out. People think it'll go back to the Supreme Court, but once it's entrenched. We've always said, and even the Apollo group, um, I believe it was, who wrote it or some affiliate of that, said that it was a Trojan horse, that it was there to blow up. It was there not to work. 
just like these tactics where you were saying they they stress out the system to the point where it blows up so they can in, impose their own system. Yeah, and they're going to subpoena a bunch of people in Trump's administration. It's just it's going to be chaos. All right. Well, buckle up. Well, that's what he says in the guide. He he lists all that and he says, "Giddy up! It's going to be a wild ride." <laughs> oh my gosh. These people, I, it's, you know, I still want to know what their goal is. Okay, let's take a quick break. Uh, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. And now for something completely different. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. We're back, ready to take some calls. Uh, 404-872-0750. I am going to Paul in Atlanta. Paul, you are on with Monica. Monica, I heard you say um, you, far right fascism, and I'm not sure that I exactly understand what you mean by that. In that, far, uh, fascism is a form of socialism, is it not? At least the way it was practiced by the Nazis. Well, what do you think far? I mean, if you want to be semantical, that's fine. But what do you think far right means? Like, just define it for me, and I'll tell you if that's. But I'm, I'm happy well, to... as far right as you can go is anarchy, and as far left as you can go is communism. Well, although there's the syndicalist anarchists, which are communists that go so far to the left, they call themselves anarchists. I don't believe that's a real thing. Because... Right. I don't either. Yeah, <laughs> but, but they do. I mean, that's what the Spanish, that there was a, uh, it was during the Spanish Revolution, the syndicalist anarchists were causing a lot of problems. But, um... So far right is anarchy. I I mean, if you want to, the definitions of right and left here are probably different from what they are in Europe. I You can say communism and fascism if you want. I was trying to say these people say they don't want that. People always say like the, the left has this communist thing. They want to mobilize the masses and blah, blah, blah. But right. the right... You could say if they're going for fascism, it's similarly totalitarian and they're going to use uh, tactics that are not above board also. I mean, I'm a libertarian. I don't consider it right or left. I just don't like to always say the left because it's all it's all you also need to be. You need to be just as worried about communism as fascism, the means of production being funneled through uh, a government that. Uh, mandates that you buy stuff and then uh, okays the people who can sell it to you. And then you have these very rich people who have insulated profit margins. They get outsized power in society. You lose your ability to compete in those marketplaces. It's all, to me, I'm equally concerned about either way of, of centralizing the power of centralizing uh, the economic access. So I, I don't like to say beware of the left because I beware both. I, I don't like the welfare super state. I don't like the warfare super state. Uh, but I want to completely change gears after this and go to Kellerman making fun of Steph Curry for the moon landing comment. You might be surprised at what I have to say. This is Monica Perez. Live and festive in the public's holiday headquarters studio at WSB. Monica Perez. It's like everything I've been brought up to believe is all made of bull****. On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Perfect lead-in to this segment. 
I am Monica Perez here with my producer, Brad Binkley, and we're going to change gears a little bit from what we've been talking about. But if you want to hear the whole show from the beginning without commercials, where can people go these days, Binkley? I've kind of lost track since WordPress purged us. They can go to iTunes, the Propaganda Report, and subscribe. And I'll put a link in Twitter. On what Twitter. I do is I go to Pro- Propaganda Report. Uh, and I also type in Libsyn and Google it that way. Yeah. And the feed comes up. Okay. I that's presume good. that's totally current. Okay. So last week, and you can also hear last week's podcast of this show. That's up, right? Um, I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. All right. So what we talked about last week was that Tim Cook got the Courage Against Hate Award from the Anti-Defamation League for uh, suppressing dangerous anti-government conspiracy theories that's what the guy said in the intro anti-government conspiracy theories which of course is the sole purpose of the first amendment is to express anti-government sentiment the whole purpose of the bill of rights is to resist the government okay but anyway so this theme continued this week we'd probably be doing the whole show about it this week if we hadn't already done it last week i hate it when we get ahead of the news uh the Google CEO was in Congress and there was a guy, a Congressman Raskin, who I have clips from it. We can play it maybe, but let me just give you the other, let me just give you a little synopsis of it. They were saying how the Congressman was saying to the Google guy, what are you doing to suppress these dangerous conspiracy theories? Um, that Pizzagate, for example, was debunked yet somebody watching YouTube videos came to rescue children he thought were being abused at that pizza place, and he shot it up. Now, first of all, Pizzagate was not, it might have been debunked, but it wasn't investigated. I mean, there were pictures of children bound in that place, right? And you can say it was a joke, I don't know, but the FBI or whoever was responsible, the police, chose not to launch an investigation. If they had, then... They could have released their report and put all these rumors to rest, but they didn't. So they left it out there. Uh, And then there were problems. Then uh, the congressman says, and this has gotten even worse. Now there are pictures of Huma Abedin and uh, Hillary Clinton with bloody fangs wanting to eat these kids. What are you doing about that? So so the Google guy said, well, I'm going to try to suppress disinformation, false stuff. And I'm thinking, he said, but we get 400 hours of video a minute, so it's hard. (laughs) I'm like, first of all, I have had my videos suppressed by that guy, so I don't know how hard it is. How about they investigate leads instead of just suppressing what they don't like? But it just occurred to me, if, if it wasn't clearly a parody or a fiction... It was not clear that it actually looks like Hillary Clinton has fangs that was being presented <laughs> as truth, right? There, so I immediately clicked on defamation and uh, defama- YouTube's defamation policy, and yeah. it tells you how to file a suit. This is the beauty of our system. This is the beauty of the common law system, the English system, is that or the tort system. You are entitled to protect yourself. That's why... Awards are so high, they're punitive. So the the punitive nature of the awards is to punish the bad actor and reward the person who took him to court because it's such a pain. But then you don't need statutory law or regulatory law that anticipates every possible wrong and polices everything all the time. I believe that's the French system. Statutory law trumps common law. So we have these systems 
that a wronged person whose reputation is damaged by falsehood, that's what YouTube's defamation policy suggests, says that is actionable or liable laws, whatever, you get to defend yourself. If it's come to your attention because it's damaging you, if it doesn't damage you, you don't get damages. But that's what it's for. So when they insulate people from, like if they have a law, there are some weird laws like this for big tech that insulates them from the consequences of their of their policies because big tech is so important. I, I think Murray Rothbard, famous libertarian, said a long time ago that uh, when the Industrial Revolution came to England, people were suing and winning against factories who were just spewing soot onto their property. And the government stepped in and said, you can't sue the factories anymore. The factories are too important. Suck it up. And now we have pollution and we need regulation. So it's the same thing. If you let them go unfettered, if you tie our hands from our own self-defense, that justifies massive regulation. So that's the real answer. Yet, yet, and they're all they're doing. And and last year, last week, we talked about Tim Cook. He doesn't suppress um, podcasts and songs that encourage violence and rape and all that stuff. They they're worried about anti-government conspiracy theories, and that's what this that's what they're talking about. And they're and they're and their claim is that they are dangerous and get people hurt. But anything that evokes emotion is dangerous and gets people hurt. I mean, uh, a guy who kicked the wrong goal in in the soccer game in Colombia got killed, right? So what, do you don't have soccer anymore? I mean, people get hurt. Fans get hurt. Okay, so all that is the backdrop of uh, what I thought was taking it to the next level. Uh, Mateo tweeted to me, don't know if you guys saw this, but Steph Curry, and he writes in parentheses, basketball star, because Mateo knows that I know <laughs> nothing about sports, unless bo- it's boxing. Mateo and I talk about boxing. Uh, and a few other players said they didn't believe the moon landing on a podcast. Our old buddy Kellerman decided to passionately bash conspiracy theories on ESPN afterward. Now, the reason Kellerman's our old buddy is Mateo and I tweet at each other during boxing matches, particularly the two Triple G Canelo matches. If you don't follow boxing, it was a big match. Clearly, in my opinion, I mean, there's no question about it. Uh, Triple G won both of those matches, and he had belts to defend. The first one was called a tie, and the second one, Canelo, was stated the winner and got all of Triple G's belts. Now, Triple G is from Kazakhstan, I think. I just feel so bad because he really got robbed, and this is supposed to be the land of liberty and justice for all, and he goes back to his Russian sphere of influence and gets to look. It's it's just bums me out. And Kellerman, obviously, I mean, it was just like his jump-the-shark moment. He just defended the judges. It was indefensible. He would. It was just ridiculous. I mean, and I used to love Kellerman, and then it was just made no sense. It was like he was watching a different match. It was kooky. So I don't... I don't have faith in Kellerman anymore, okay? That's just me. I just don't have faith in Kellerman. But uh, but this took it to another... Now I know that... I don't know anything. All I know is uh, Kellerman's invective against Steph Curry is fitting right into this theme of conspiracy theories are dangerous. So let me see... I know you pulled a couple of clips. I think it's the first Kellerman clip, which I believe is called clip six. Do you do you have that one? Bingham? I do. Clip six. Let's hear it. I don't think it's funny. Steph Curry has college, three years of college. 
Steph Curry's a role model. Kids look up to Steph Curry probably more than any other NBA player. They relate to him. He's not so big. He's not the fastest. He just is talented and works hard and is a great teammate. And I could be like that. They really love Steph. And he's a role model as a result of that. And that's just irresponsible. Like, to feed into those kind of, like, when Kyrie Irving said he thought the earth was flat, I mean, that's the dumbest thing a public figure has said in my lifetime. Maybe it's one of them. But Steph Curry not believing in the moon landing, it's not like that, but it's in the same vein. It's like, here's the issue with how much information we have access to now because of the Internet. It's great we have access to information, but how do you vet the information? How can you tell the high-quality information from the low-quality information? Is that the end of that That's one? That's it, yeah. It, can, okay. it sounds like some low-quality information coming from <laughs> Max Kellerman. Well, there's a lot there. I mean, there's another. I think there's like a part two of that. Yes, clip. there is. Also, yeah, okay. No, not yet. So the Earth is flat thing, I have to say. Okay, so here, here's what uh, I want to say about the conspiracy theory stuff. There were two conspiracy theories. I used to really dig into different things. Uh, I never even thought of any conspiracy theory as being true. And at the time, it wasn't a conspiracy theory, but I was covering in real time the Boston Marathon bombing. I had a fill-in on this radio station. And the story kept changing, like real facts, like the identity of people, the race of some people. Yeah. It was the weirdest thing. So at one point, it came to my attention, a picture of a naked man getting put in a cop car. And I was like, okay, Tamerlan Sinaev supposedly died in a shootout, but that looks like Tamerlan Sinaev. I stayed up all night. And I and Tamerlan Snyder had been a boxer. So there were a lot of pictures of him with his shirt off. And by the end of it, I was like, nobody has pecs like that. They were like very flat and rectangular and like these weird nipples sticking out the side. It was like <laughs> clear. Now I'm telling you, like at the end, I was like, that is the same guy. That's the same guy. So people said the naked man isn't him. It was him. In my my analysis, in to my satisfaction, it was him. Paul McCartney. Guy I like thinks that Paul McCartney died in a car crash and was replaced by faux Paul McCartney, a fake Paul McCartney. And I like this guy, and I was like, hmm, that seems like a stretch, but I'm going to figure it out. And I just found it hard to figure it out. And then I compared picture after picture after picture, and I saw that Paul McCartney's 5 o'clock shadow was the same from his earliest pictures to his latest pictures. And I just, for me, I just do not believe that can be faked. I think Paul McCartney's been the same person from the beginning. And I had a guy call Flat Earth. He was Flat Earth Mark, he called himself. It's like, why do you think the Earth is flat? It's like, I don't really know. I just, you know, read some stuff. It looked right to me. I was like, okay, well, I actually, I loved Flat Earth Mark. He was very nice. But I was in the Concord once, and I saw the curvature of the Earth. And another time I had to go to Indonesia on business. So as like, just for fun, I said, I'm going to fly east to Indonesia, and then I'm going to fly east home again. And everything worked. Like, the sun was in the right place. I got to where I was supposed to go. I felt like I was going, you know what I mean? Like I yeah. was definitely circumnavigating the globe. So I don't believe the earth is flat, right? But because I have a reason to, and then I had somebody in the military call and said, when the ships would fire on each other, they could back over the horizon so they couldn't be seen, but then they had to adjust for the curvature of the earth. So there is a lot of evidence that the earth is not flat. <laughs> so, but when you look at the moon landing stuff, I don't, you know, I actually met a NASA guy and I said, hey, how'd they get through the Van Allen belts? And he said, well, they were wrapped in tinfoil, basically. And I said, well, is that enough? He said, yeah. I was like, okay. What am I supposed, how am I supposed to know? You know what I mean? It could have yeah. been, it could have been right. It could have been wrong. That's what he says. I don't know. I can't, there's some really good questions about that. So, uh, 
give, give me the second half of that clip and then go to All right. The reason foreign governments can interfere in our politics is because way too many people have moved away from fact-based, you know, evidence and toward nonsense and conspiracy theories. And so they're easily manipulated. This is a crisis in the world. Really populism is on the rise in the world. Partly it's because of the access to information without the ability to vet it. So when a role model like Steph Curry, I know it seems like I'm making too big a deal out of it. It does. Says something as monumentally stupid as he thinks we never landed on the moon, kids are watching that. They're listening to that. It's a scary indication of where we are. And, and in, I don't think it's funny. It's dangerous. It's it, dangerous. He doesn't think it's – is he he's, auditioning for a job at CNN? He ha, Oh, well, maybe. He's got he's – got, he, Steph Curry is corrupting the youth, and that will not be tolerated. Uh, Mateo, populism in oh, there. i got to take a break. Give me a second. <laughs> be right back. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Maybe it's something really cool that I don't even know about, you know. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. More of the Kellerman rant after the next break, top of the hour, and uh, Stephen A. Smith chimes in. But I've got a smoking gun against him, not a guy to trust with facts. But we just listened to Kellerman ranting on Steph Curry about uh, the that the reason populism is on the rise is that Steph Curry, I guess, thinks something Kellerman doesn't think. I don't know. <laughs> he has a conspiracy theory. But Matteo tweeted, I had to triple check that. Populism means the will of ordinary people. Talk about gaslighting. But I forget what gaslighting means. But anyway, um, and we got other tweets. Give me another one, Binkley. Johnny Cook tweets, Did you hear that Kellerman, the brave debunker of conspiracy theories, state foreign meddling in our elections as a fact? I guess some conspiracies are more equal than others. Yeah, that's that's a funny thing is that they're always spewing that conspiracy theory. They're always saying Trump stated without evidence. And then you'll talk to people who say the Russian the Russian collaboration or what do they call collusion? Collusion is the word they use. Whatever. I have yet to see evidence. There's no federal collusion law. Right. Right. That's another thing. So what if it is? Uh, So they're what my point is that they are really they're telling this guy it is not okay for them to think for himself. And then he tweeted, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. NASA contacted me. I'll be meeting with some astronauts. I'll believe me, I'm going to back down. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to get my mind right. Like, there's too much on the line. I'm, not, I'm nobody's hero. I will definitely not believe the moon landing was fake after I get my talking to. He already Please. said it was a joke. Oh, he did he come back and say it was a yeah. joke? Oh, because that chick in the Kellerman thing, uh-huh. I don't have that clip, but she kept saying, maybe it was a joke, maybe it was a joke. And he's like, well, it's not funny if it's a joke. Yeah, <laughs> nab it. I, got, we still, I, I want to see this through, though, because it's all about them trying to keep you from thinking at all, much less outside the box. So let's finish it up after the break. This is Monica Perez. Live and festive in the public's Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. This 
is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. We're ending a little bit early today. We'll be on until 5.30. But if you're just tuning in, you can get our podcast. My producer Binkley and I do uh, a podcast online called Propaganda Report. And we also post this show, the WSB show, the Monica Perez show, without commercials on that same feed. So you can go to Propaganda Report on iTunes or Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N. And uh, oh, I lost Maurice. Maurice hasn't called in a long time, and he's usually spot on on the uh, conspiracy theories. But we, we are going to actually struggle to get everything squeezed in this last half hour. What we were talking about was an ESPN show, um, I forget what it's called, uh, First Take or Fast Talk or something. I don't know. And it's Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman uh, and a woman I don't know. But these two guys were just really coming down on conspiracy theories and Steph Curry and all of that. And uh, I look into some of this stuff, and and I think that the reality is you have to know what you know and what you just believe. You have to be able to figure that out. So, like, my mother said she doesn't believe in dinosaurs because they're too big. I'm like, oh, I don't know. How do I know dinosaurs exist? And I said, well, they're a bone. She said, they're not, they're not the real bones, though. Like, they're made of clay. They don't actually show you the real bones, right? You go and you look at the skeleton, like, oh, you know, I don't know. Now that you mention it, how do I know? <laughs> I know. I believe it because they're in museums. And, like, would the entire scientific community ever collude to lie about something? Like climate change or whatever? <laughs> so, and Darwin. I could never get the math to work random selection for every single solitary genetic mutation that it takes to make a human being different from an earthworm, that's a lot of math. That's a lot of time. But Lamarck had a competing idea that there's something like a kind of subcellular intelligence that can respond to what's needed in the environment. And people laughed at him and whatever. But now there's this new science called epigenetics that leans towards a more sophisticated interaction with the environment through a mechanism that we don't know but is not Darwinistic, right? So these are conspiracies, basically, or scientific truths, right, that, that change. So I'm just saying, I don't, all I'm really saying is I don't know. I really don't know. What are you laughing at me? What you opened laughing? up a can right there. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you have to ask yourself how you know what you think you know. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. The lines are going crazy. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so so you, ha- you just have to ask yourself, how do you know, right? I told you before how I knew certain things, why I believe the earth is round, why I think Tamerlan Tsarnaev was the naked man, why I think Paul McCartney is really Paul McCartney. I, I think I have reasons for those things and other stuff I don't have reasons for. I just can't believe. I just think that I, that's right. what I'm told it's true and I have to accept it. You, can't, you get paralyzed if you can't accept right. it. Right. I tell people that I care far less about what they conclude than I do how they came to the conclusion. Well, that's the thing. So isn't it great to have people who can think outside the box like that? Like there was a time when uh if if i am to believe the history books in the middle ages where it was really inconceivable for the ordinary person to imagine a world without a god without god as the creator because they didn't have the idea of darwin or lamarck or any of that they just uh, and maybe it was even really um you would be excommunicated if you thought that and be outside of the society that you needed so thinking outside the box is something that 
can be frowned upon in different eras for different reasons. So what Kellerman is saying is the same thing they said to Socrates. You're corrupting the youth. Keep your ideas to yourself. You're bad. You're making them think. And we don't want that. It's bad. So can we play? Oh, oh, here was the thing. There were, like, you sent me an article today about MK Ultra that uh, people would have thought was real. Uh, oh, look, Maurice came back. Hang on to the little segment, Maurice, and we'll, we'll let you wrap up the show. Um, that it's real. Nobody would have thought the MK Ultra thing that you just heard was real. What was it? What's the new document they found? They found a document that showed that scientists had created remote-controlled dogs. Right, by, by implanting something in their brains, yeah. right. So a long time ago, decades ago, like MK the 60s, Ultra, I think. Yeah, it was all about mind control, and it was a real CIA program that had real impact, may even have been used in assassinations. And yes, there were real assassinations. There was a commission in Congress on assassinations. They showed their methods of assassinations. Yeah. There was um, uh, the Manhattan Project to build the bomb. Over 100,000 people were in on that secret. These documents that we read earlier talk about assassinations. They call it liquidation of an... Uh, yeah, the intel, yeah. they do it. It's, it happens. So these things are ideas like, you're crazy, you're kook, you believe in conspiracy theories. I don't know. The moon landing thing, the, the one thing that I just, I need somebody to give me a satisfactory answer is why did they not turn off their lights or whatever and just open their aperture, slow down their shutter speed, and show us what the stars looked like from the moon's surface. That's what I want to see. I want to see that picture because, boy, it would be in, irrefutable to show that exact perspective. And I want to see it. And if they didn't do it, uh, why? Right? So that's just a question I have. I don't know the answer. There could be an answer. Yeah. Somebody listening right now might know the answer. I don't know. Max Kellerman doesn't know. Stephen <laughs> A. Smith doesn't know because they're too busy. And you know how I know Stephen A. Smith doesn't know? He goes bananas on on this thing, like goes right with Kellerman. You're right, but people are stupid. They don't do their own research. Let's <laughs> let's do the let's do clip eight of Kellerman. I don't have Stephen A. Smith doing it, but then I want to re rebut with what Stephen A. Smith later did the next day. Go right. go with clip eight. Rejection of facts when a public figure rejects facts on the basis of of like drivel on the internet or mm -hmm. some friend whispering in their ear about some government mm -hmm. conspiracy. Mm -hmm with zero actual research with any high-quality information. Right. When that is uttered publicly, it is incumbent upon the fourth estate, you and I, to castigate, to say that is, it, not mince words, Steph, that is a stupid comment. Don't say it again. Go read a book. All right, Kellerman's a boxing analyst. I mean, I'm not, I, I just, he, he's, the, he's the protector of your dumbstruck. That's basically. unbelievable. What he just said. Show. I mean, oh. just, he's he's the fourth estate, Max Kellerman. Give me a break. And Stephen A. Smith is nodding and yes, and he's nodding and saying yes, positive murmuring, while he's saying Kellerman's saying zero actual research of any high quality information. Okay, so we're supposed to believe that those two guys conducted high quality research on actual information before they said that Steph Curry didn't. Right. So they can't know he did it. What if he did? Yeah, they did it. Right. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. they don't know. And how do I know they didn't? Because Stephen A. Smith doesn't even do it for his own area <laughs> of expertise within 24 hours of that show. I believe is the very next show. 
there was this headline I stumbled upon. I was pulling these clips before I even saw this. It says, Stephen A. Smith rings up four mistakes in a wildly inaccurate Chargers Chiefs preview. This was the very next day, December 13th. There's a tweet. I don't know anything about sports, but it's laughable. Like Everybody was cracking up over this. John Ledyard tweeted, this is incredible. Stephen A. Smith's three players to watch are Spencer Ware, who's out tonight, Hunter Henry, who's had a great season, according to Stephen A. Smith. Apparently, Hunter Henry's been out for the season. And Derek <laughs> Johnson, who's not even in the NFL right now. That's crazy. So this is what I, – I, I don't care. I don't care what – I don't care about the, the, the content. I don't care about Stephen A. Smith. But these are the people who are telling us we are disgusting, hurtful pigs for thinking. Right? Because they're not talking about actual research of facts. They're busy. We're all busy. So if you're like, hey, man, I only believe this because you told me that. You're bad. You need to be re-educated. You go to NASA, they will re-educate you and bring you back. I don't. I really don't know. I would like to see the pictures of this. So he yeah. said to look out for a player who's not even in the NFL anymore. Correct. That is unbelievable. And another player who's been out for the season and has like a brace on his knee that is like goes from his ankle to his hip. These guys are pawns. No, it's hilarious. So, right, it all seemed very scripted from the beginning. And then uh, should we just uh, wrap it up with that last uh, Kellerman clip, clip nine? Yeah. Wait. I am glad and that Kyrie and saying. Steph and others have curious and cynical minds. That's part of, like, the scientific process, in fact. But when you then reject facts and go on your own wishful thinking and wide-eyed conspiracy theories – that is, it's detrimental to society wait, wait, wait. when you are in a public thing? position and you utter it. That guy better drink some hemlock. This guy's a clown is what we he is. Need to, we need to give Steph Curry some hemlock right away. <laughs> but, uh, and it's skeptical, not cynical. Cynical is when you throw everything out. I'm surprised he didn't call Curry an alt-right racist for believing in conspiracy theories. Well, I think Stephen A. Smith was there to say, don't blame Steph Curry. It's not his fault. Yeah. He's he's just too busy to think like we do. <laughs> so anyway, but I do want to give Maurice a little time. So let's cut to a break, and I'll be right back with wrapping it up with uh, with a great call, I'm sure. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. This will not stand, you know? This aggression will not stand, man. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I got to say, regarding that Kellerman stuff, I, my kids will actually play videos like that for me and say, look, you can't say crazy things like that. People will make fun of me. So he's doing some real deal. He's corrupting the youth. Uh, but I would like to give this segment to Maurice and Stone Mountain. How are you doing, Maurice? I'm doing great. I thought Sorry, I lost I you. <laughs> well, uh, I started driving and, you know, the law, you're not. Yes, yes. Hate. Okay. Be good. Be good. All right. We don't have a lot of time, so go. Okay. Um, I'll just, you know, this is kind of a very, this is a whole show's conversation. So, uh, but let me just say this. Um, it's my understanding that uh, instead of appointing another special counsel, Trump used Huber and his team with, um, forget the other guy's name, uh, of 400 legal entities to create a um, list of 60,000 sealed indictments. This is since 2017. 
So now I can verify this on a certain level in the sense that other people have been following this seriously and have used PACER, you know, the the legal uh, so, uh, website that lists all the transact, you know, indictments and whatnot. And so I've seen scrolling lists of uh, indictments. So yes, there are indictments. Do you think um, that Trump is Batman? That he's really going to come out of the shadows, the billionaire from the basement, and save the country? Like seriously, well, I mean, I'm interested if you think that. Um, well, I didn't used to think that, but I'm right. beginning to think so because, I mean, the other this is all, of course, tied in with Q, which I assume you know who Q is. Or I do heard. QAnon, but I, I anything that that gets that kind of publicity, I I feel like I am skeptical about as like a well, real I, or fake. Source. I can see that, but. Well, which is what I'm talking about. I mean, I, I, you know, would take lots of conversation. But here's the other thing that's tied in with this particular thing. Um, you know, back at the beginning, right after he was uh, installed in power, he uh, did a uh, executive order uh, where he could uh, confiscate uh, people involved uh, or entities involved in human trafficking um, and to to the list of these indictments they uh, the other thing you know the people that are tracking this are also listing all the uh, indictments or, or well you know, I mean that they, that would be I gotta go but that would be awesome I'm all for it I I find it so hard to but I tend towards the no hope kind of thing. But we need more than hours of conversation. You need evidence. And oftentimes that you have to wait for the proof to be in the pudding. But I got to go. Uh, until next week. I'm back next week. This is Monica Perez.